0: Please turn me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. When you've found your place, please stand for the reading of God's Word and remain standing for a time of prayer following.
1: Good morning, everyone. While he was with them, he commanded them to not leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise. Which, he said, you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. After he had said this, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven, and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven.
0: Let's pray. Father, for you are holy and I am unclean indeed. Father, as we look at this passage today of your Holy Spirit promised, Father, I pray that you'd speak mightily through Ben. Lord, open our hearts to receive your word, to take forth to this community and beyond and reach people for the sake of the gospel. Lord, thank you so much for what you did for us on the cross. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Maybe may be seated this morning. So today we're going to continue our series, Mission 2022, and we're going to look at how God has called us as a local church to continue to reach our community and our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to be that church. We want to be a Great Commission church that is focused on eternity, on eternal souls, in looking at every human being as an eternal soul that will spend forever somewhere, We are a Bible-believing church, and the Bible teaches us that there is an eternal heaven, but there is also an eternal hell. The Bible teaches us that only those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ will enter into that eternal heaven. So now our mission and our job, the great commission given by the Lord Jesus before he ascended was to make disciples of all nations, and that is what we must be about we do nothing else, we are to make disciples. What does that mean? That means to lead people to Jesus and show them what it means to be a Christian. We must be that church. So today, as we look at our mission for 2022, I want to preach a sermon titled, A Modern God. Last week we looked at a modern message. We talked about how the gospel message, even though it is ancient, even though it originated with the Lord Jesus Christ in the first century in his death, burial, and resurrection, even though it is an old message, it is a new message. It is a message that is relevant for people today in the year 2022, and I would even argue more relevant than any other message that we could think of or think about. But I also want to talk today about our God, even though he is a God who has existed from eternity past, we believe that our God has no beginning. We believe that no one made our God, that he is self-existent, he is pre-existent, he is self-sufficient, he needs no one or no thing in a, for him to exist. He is all-sufficient on his own. He created the heavens and the earth by the word of his mouth. We believe that he is an ancient God indeed, but we also believe that he is a modern God, that he is a God even though he is from eternity past that he can do and work and move in the lives of people in the year 2022 just as well as ever before. And we must proclaim that God. We must worship that God. That is who we worship this morning, the God who created everything out of nothing, the God who exists outside of space and time, the God who does not need anyone in order to be who he is, a God who did not need to create us in order to add anything to himself But he is who he is. He is God Almighty, regardless of what we think, feel, or believe. When we think about human beings, we understand that human beings are relational creatures, that we were created to be in relationships. As we look back to the Garden of Eden, remember what God said about Adam? He said, Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. He said, Adam, it's not good for you to operate in this life in isolation. It's not good for you to be by yourself. So what did he do? He created Eve. He created his co-equal partner, a woman who came alongside of him and lived and served God with him. One of the greatest tragedies in human history, though, was when Adam and Eve sinned and caused the great divide between God and man. You know, we weren't only created to have relationships with other people. But we were created to have a relationship with God, the creator of the universe. We were created to intimately have a relationship with him, intimately know him and serve him and commune with him. The tragedy of sin is that it divided that relationship. It built a barrier and a wall between God and man. It made it to where now as created beings we could not fulfill our purpose in life because we could not have a relationship with the one we were created to be with. You wonder why is there so much hopelessness in society? It's because the wall that was created between God and man. Why are so many people searching for fulfillment and satisfaction? It's because they are not in a relationship with their creator. They are not allowing the sole satisfaction for their life to be a part of their life. People who are lost and do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, the only logical conclusion for them is that they are going to live a hopeless life because they have a hole that is shaped just like God within them and that can only be filled by God. Only he can fulfill them and give them satisfaction and enable them to live a life to the fullest. The Bible talks about an abundant life. No one can live an abundant life without a relationship with the God whom they were created to be in relationship with. It is almost like, you know, you're trying to operate a lamp without plugging it into the wall. Guess what? That light's never going to come on until you give it some electricity. The same way with humanity. Humanity is never going to achieve its fullest potential and purpose and satisfaction and joy until they have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, the God they were created to have a relationship with. So when we think about that, that God is the only one who can fulfill our desire for love and relationship, and he can even do it beyond our imagination, we understand that we have a God today that people need, a God today that people should be able to relate to when people are living in the darkness and the hopelessness of their sinfulness, when people are living in the darkness and the loneliness of life. When people have been hurt and abused, when people struggle, when they're looking for someone to come alongside of them and love them, we have the answer today. And he is that modern God that I'm talking about. That God who is just as relevant eternity past as he is in 2022. And today as we look at this scripture that was so well read earlier, we're going to see three different things about our God that is going to relate and that is going to hit a sensitive spot for all humanity in the year 2022. Something that they are gonna want, something that they are gonna see that they need. And we pray that as we become that church that intersects the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're gonna uh, show them this God that they need. We're gonna show them why they need the God of the Bible and why he is the answer to all of their problems. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Number one, our God knows what you need and what everyone else needs. He knows what you need if you're taking notes. He does. He not only knows what you need, but he knows what your neighbor needs. He knows what your coworker needs. He knows what your children needs. He knows what we need. Verses four through five of Acts chapter one, explain that well. Now to give a little backstory here of the book of Acts, the book of Acts is the history book of the New Testament. You know, if you look into the Old Testament, you're going to see 1 and 2 Samuel, First and Second Kings, 1 and Second Chronicles. Those are known as the historical books of the Old Testament. They give a narrative um, se- uh, sequence of events, historical events that took place in the history in the nation of Israel. The book of Acts is that same thing for the church, the birth of the church. This is the historical account of the birth of the New Testament church post-Jesus' resurrection. So here as we go to verse 4, it's talking about Jesus before his ascension. He had made appearances to the disciples and to over 500 other people after he had risen from the dead. And the Bible teaches us, as we talked about last week, that he was talking about the kingdom of God. When he would make these bodily appearances after his resurrection, he was teaching about the kingdom of God. In other words, what was to come? What was the promise of the future of those who trust in Christ? And he comes to this place when he's talking to his disciples, and it says in verse four, while he was with them, his disciples, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait For the Father's promise, which He said, You have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. I want you to think about the fact that the disciples at this point had been through a lot. They had lived closely with the Messiah for three years, He was their teacher. They followed him to different cities. They, they spent hours upon hours listening to his teaching and his truth. They loved him. They admired him. They were able to see his miracles. They had gone with him. They had seen him, him heal the blind, the lame. He, they had seen him do these great miracles of feeding thousands of people from just a little bit of food. They had seen him walk on water. They had seen him do all these wonderful things. And then they saw him arrested. They saw him And they denied him and they fled from him at his beating and at his crucifixion. Some of them heard of and some of them saw that crucifixion. And then they saw him bodily arise from the dead. So when you think about all they had been through, listen, the disciples needed something from God at this point. You could say very lightly that they had some trauma. I mean, they had seen things that a lot of us would freak out about. They had seen the God of the universe serve for three years, die on a criminal's cross, and rise from the dead. I mean, I think that's enough for any lifetime, amen? It was great and it was awesome, but they needed something. I'm sure they were confused at this point because you know sometimes when we look at people in the Bible, we think, you know what, they probably had a King James Version Bible under their arm that they could study and read every night. They knew the Bible front and back, They knew all there was to know about Jesus and about God. And yes, they knew a lot. And yes, they had those personal experiences. But they did not have the theology that we have today. There were still things that they were trying to figure out. There were still, and we're going to see here in a minute, that they even had some confusion about the future. They had some confusion about what was next. And they needed something from God. They needed him in order to show them their next steps. But he knew exactly what they needed. You know, today, you can go into a bookstore, which I don't even know if those exist anymore. You can go on Amazon, though, and you can buy books, and you're not gonna find any shortage of self-help books. You're not gonna find any shortage of uh, therapists and psychologists who are writing books that are trying to make your life better. You're not gonna find any shortage of retreats. You're not gonna find any shortages of conferences that are gonna help your marriage, that are gonna help you become a better person, that are gonna help you have a happier life. But today, I'm going to make the argument that you don't need a self-help book. You do not need more advice from your best friend. You don't need another retreat or another conference. And you don't need a better therapist. What you need today is the Holy Spirit. What you need today is the presence of God in your life. Now, I'm not saying all of that is bad stuff. But I'm just saying if you think... Doing one more of those things is going to help you achieve and help you get to a place where now I can be happy, you're fooling yourself. How many times do we set goals and then we reach those goals and achieve those goals and then a moment we achieve that goal, we set a new goal? You know why? Because the goal did not satisfy you. It did not fulfill you. You need another goal to keep going and to keep trying to achieve something that you're trying to satisfy If you're looking at all of that stuff to fulfill you, you're gonna be disappointed. What you need today is the Holy Spirit. What the disciples needed was the Holy Spirit. You know, the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is he is God. Don't call the Holy Spirit it. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is God. He is just as much God as the Son, Jesus Christ, and just as much God as the Father we believe in one God who exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit today. In Luke chapter 24, verse 49, remember Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, and he also wrote the book of Acts, and this is what he said and wrote. And look, this is what Jesus said, I am sending you what my Father promised. This is Luke 24:49. And look, I am sending you what my Father promised, As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. What had the Father promised? What did the Father promise to send? Well, We see in the book of John over and over again, Jesus talks about to his disciples that if I go away, the Father will send the comforter. He will send the helper. He will send the Holy Spirit. Jesus is telling the disciples here, what you need in this moment is not to go out and do great things. What you need right now is not to immediately leave your house and go and tell the world right now about what you've seen. What you need right now is to hang on and wait for the Holy Spirit. You need to wait until the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you can move. Today, I think we have a lot of people in our society and even in our church that were trying to jump the gun on stuff. We're trying to go out and do this and do that. We're trying to keep busy. We're trying to look like we're relevant in society. We're trying to do all this stuff, but yet we've left the Holy Spirit behind. As Christians, we're trying to do all these great things, but yet we're not considering what does God want me to do? And maybe, just maybe, just like in this point in the disciples where Jesus said, why don't you wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes? Maybe today you need to wait exactly where you are until the Holy Spirit moves you. Don't try to feed into what God's will is for your life. Listen, God is perfectly capable of revealing his will to you in his own time. And until he does that, you should be content and joyous serving him in the here and the now. You know, I think it's important. One of my professors at Fruitland, Greg Mathis, said this one time. He said, be faithful in what you are doing right now. Just the small stuff. Be faithful right now. It doesn't have to be some big miraculous thing. Just be faithful At your workplace. Just be faithful loving others. Just be faithful raising your children and loving them. Just be faithful in those small things. And I'm telling you that when the Holy Spirit is ready to move you, he will move you. And I think that was important advice that Jesus was giving his disciples there. While he was with them in verse 4, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. We know as Christians, we're always saying, you got to get up. you got to go. you got to go do something for Jesus. you got to get out and share the gospel. And I'll be the first one to say that I preach that and I believe that. But there are times when we should not move until the Holy Spirit moves us. The Bible says, but to wait for the Father's promise. Did you know that waiting can actually be doing the will of God? just waiting on him to move, waiting on his timing, waiting on his liberty and his freedom to give you exactly what you need to move forward. Listen, he knows what you need today. And as we're talking to a world who doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ, I think something that is very, very attractive about our God is that he knows what they need. I think people are looking for someone who can fulfill their needs. I think when singles are looking for that mate that they wanna spend the rest of their life with, I think if they're not operating from a biblical worldview, or even if they are many times, their purpose in finding a mate to marry and to spend their life with is, I need them to fulfill me. Well, first of all, that's a flawed understanding of what marriage is. Your spouse will never fulfill you. Your spouse does not have the ability or the power to give you true joy. Your spouse does not have the power to complete you. The only one that can complete you is the Lord Jesus Christ. Singles today, if you're not married, you know what? You are just as complete in Christ today as you ever will be married. You're just as fulfilled, you are just as capable, and you are just as valuable as a single than if you ever get married. And you need to understand that it's Jesus who completes you and fulfills you. It's the Holy Spirit who gives you all that you need. You know, I love the Bible and I love the fact that it is factual and that it is evidence-based and that it supports itself and that it doesn't contradict itself. Even in one of the minor prophets, Joel chapter 2, verse 28, the giving of the Holy Spirit was prophesied. Joel chapter 2, verse 28 says this, After this, I will pour out my Spirit on all humanity. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your old men will have dreams, and your young men will see visions. It's this promise of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who would come and indwell believers. Listen, we believe as New Testament Bible-believing Christians that when you are born again and saved, when you accept Jesus as your Savior, you repent of your sins and you turn to Jesus, that the presence of God Almighty literally moves inside of your body. He lives within you in the person of the Holy Spirit. Today, if you're saved, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. God himself indwells your body. And that is the promise from the Father that Jesus is talking about as he's sharing this with the disciples before his ascension. Today, you need that presence. Now, you may be here today and you know Jesus. The Holy Spirit lives within you. There's not a question about that. But there are things in your life that are hindering the Holy Spirit from working in you. Did you know that you can hinder him in your life? That if you hold on to sin, that it squashes out what the Holy Spirit can do. It doesn't squash him because he's not intimidated or afraid of sin, but what you're doing is you're choosing your sin over him. And what that causes is it causes your channel of communication with the Holy Spirit to be blurred. You can cause a blurring of that communication. The Bible teaches us that we are to be in a right fellowship with God. That's why even after we're saved, even though salvation is the forgiveness of our sins, past, present, and future, that we are still to go to God and confess our sins. Not because we're trying to re-get our salvation. Our salvation is a once and all thing that we cannot lose once we get. But the reason we are to go back and confess our sins to the Lord is so that we can clear up those channels of communication, so that we can restore our fellowship with our king. It's just like if you have a best friend, okay? You get in a fight with your friend. You don't stop being friends because you got in a fight, but things aren't the same. You're not able to go up to them and hug them. You're not able to go up to them and share what happened in that week because there's something there that's in between you and your friend. And until you get that right, until you share with your friend an apology, until you get all that aired out and corrected, that relationship cannot be what it was fully intended to be. It's the same way with the Holy Spirit. Today, if you came into church and you brought a bunch of sin, you're living in a lifestyle of sin you are blatantly hindering the Holy Spirit. And actually, it's a dangerous thing to do that because when you bring your junk into a worship service, you are potentially hindering the Holy Spirit's movement in that service. That's why I am a full believer that you ought to get your heart right before you come to worship. Worship is when you come in an unadulterated presence of God and you pour yourself out to him. And if you bring sin and you bring wickedness and you bring a lifestyle of sin into God's house and then you expect him to move mightily in your life, then you're asking him to do something that he is not going to do. God does not bless sin. He never has and he never will. And if you want the Holy Spirit to move mightily in your life, and you want to hear clearly from him when he moves, and when you want to be able to to listen to him and have that relationship that is so beautiful, you have to be careful to allow him to evaluate your heart every single day. And the Holy Spirit will. All you have to do is willingly say, Lord, is there anything in my life that shouldn't be there? And it doesn't end there. When he shows you what's there that shouldn't be there, which he will, I promise, you need to be willing to get rid of it and not just give lip service say yeah i know i shouldn't do that i'm going to do better next time no god i'm sorry help me god feel about my sin the same way you do lord help me to hate what you hate and love what you love god if that sin offends you i don't want it anymore help me to hate it help me to loathe it help me to just it just be disgusting to me And I assure you that God will move mightily in your life. John chapter 14, verse 27 says this. Jesus, after he's talking about the Holy Spirit, after he's talking about how the Holy Spirit would come when he leaves, he says this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled or fearful. You know, as we're trying to tell the world about our God and who he is, You know what the world needs today? They need peace. You know what people need when they go to sleep at night? They need peace. There are people who can't sleep because of the lives they live. There are people who can't sleep because of the guilt that weighs on their minds. There are people who can't sleep because of the trauma that they've experienced in their lives and the abuse that they've experienced. You know what people need? You know what billionaires would be willing to pay all their fortunes for? Peace. Something that nothing, no amount of money can buy peace. No no, um, trick in the book can find peace. Peace is something that only comes through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Today, you might be out there and your mind might be running crazy. You might be struggling with anxiety and depression. And I'm not saying there's any kind of magical spell that's going to get rid of that. But what I will say is, is that the Holy Spirit can give you peace. He can give you the strength. He can be there for you. He knows exactly what you need. And I think it is important that as we tell this world about our God, that we make sure they know he knows what you need. When you look at that hurting coworker who maybe has just lost a loved one, who's going through a terrible time in their life, you can share with them the God who knows what they need. And that's what they need to hear in those times. So he does. He knows what we need. But you know what else he knows? He knows where you are going. Taking notes, write that down. He knows where you're going. And you know what? It's great to know what someone needs, especially when you know where they're gonna be. See, God doesn't just know the here and the now, but he knows the future. So when he's giving you what you need, he's basing that on his understanding of what, where you're going and where you're gonna be. He knows exactly what you need. He knows how to prepare you for the situations that are gonna come at you. Because he already has your path uh, figured out. He's already got that laid out for you. And he's gonna give you what you need. Verses six through eight show us that in this example where he's dealing with the disciples, that he knew where they were going. Beginning in verse six of Acts chapter one, the Bible says this. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom of Israel at this time? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or periods That the Father is set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You know, something that is really freaky, I think, in today's day and age is that most of you are being tracked right now. Did you know that? If you have a smartphone in your pocket, the majority of you are being tracked. Maybe it's a corporation who knows where you are. Maybe it's your family who knows where you are. Maybe even the federal government knows exactly where you are right now. But most of us are being tracked right now. It's a little scary, isn't it? (coughs) I agree. There are even apps that you can download. And um, Hannah's side of the family has this app called uh, something 360. There you go. So, so, basically, you know, Rob and Audrey, they all know where they all are at all times. I don't have it on my phone, okay? They don't, they don't need to be tracking me, okay? <laughs> but they know where, where everyone is. And, I, I mean, I, even a, a, one of the youth, I think it was Josie, po- pulled up on Snapchat the other day. And, like, wondering where, you know, everybody was for Sunday school. Well, hang on a minute. Let me check. And you can kind of, like, see where they are exactly at that moment. Oh, well, the so and so is like, five minutes from church. This person's still in the bed. This person's, you know, whatever. <laughs> It's like, man, this is crazy. But one thing none of those apps can do is tell you where someone else is going or headed. You can see where they are right now, but you don't know where they're going. God does. God knows the future. There's nothing that takes God by surprise. He's able to look at our entire life and he's able to see it in one full scope, one full sweep. He is not limited. He is not down in this hole of time like we are. He's not limited by man, all I can see is the present. I I vaguely remember the past and I have no clue about the future. No, God is looking at this thing with a bird's eye view and he sees it all. He knows exactly what's coming. And you know what? That's important because think about this. Do you want to put your eternity in the hands of someone who has no idea what the future holds? Of course not. I don't want to put my life and my soul into the hands of a God who has no clue what's going to happen in the future. Hey, if I'm gonna put my soul and my eternity and my faith into someone's hands, I want them to know where I'm headed. I want them to know what the future holds. I want them to know exactly what I need so that when I get there, I'm gonna be okay and I'm gonna be able to achieve that purpose. He knows where you're going. You know, sometimes we, we come to these crossroads in our lives we say, God, just tell me what to do. Just tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it. You know, God, where should I go next? Maybe you're closing a chapter in your life and a new chapter is about to open up. Maybe you're seeing when you're saying, God, whom should I marry? Who is that person? I want you to give me a name. Write the name on the wall and I'll go find them. God, which job should I take? You know, I've got three or four opportunities here. Where, what should I do? God, where, where am I going? Where am I headed? God, do I even have a purpose in life? What's going on? Well, you know, the disciples seemed to be asking questions too at this crossroads. Because here you have the, the three-year ministry of Christ had come to an end. He'd been crucified, he'd been buried, he rose from the dead. The 40 days of his appearing in his, in the, in his body after his resurrection was about to come to a close, and the disciples were at a crossroads. They were, there was this new chapter that was about to open up, and they did what all the rest of us would do. They asked a question. And here's the question they asked. So when they came together, they asked him in verse 6, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel this time? What they were hoping was that as they had grown up understanding the Old Testament, being taught the Old Testament from their parents, what they were hoping was that Jesus was about to ride in to Rome, and he was about to set up and take the, the authority away from the Roman Caesar, and he was about to march down to Jerusalem and sit on his throne on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem and rule the world. That's what they were hoping was gonna be next. They wanted a physical, literal kingdom to be set up on earth and for the justice to be served to all those who had mistreated the Israelites for all those centuries. And here's Jesus' response to that question. He said to them, it is not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. You ever think that sometimes when you come to that crossroad, it may not be for you to know that moment. But you know what? That's okay. You say, Ben, but I really need to know what my next step is. I need to know where God wants me to go. Hey, wait a minute. God's got your future in his hands. Remember, he knows the next step. He knows where you're going. It's it's safe with him. Sometimes you don't have to know. Sometimes, just like he told the disciples, you just need to wait. Say, God, I trust you with this situation. God, I trust you with the next step. Whatever it is, God, whatever it is, I don't care what it is because I know that you're gonna take care of it. Can you imagine the freedom that that gives you as a believer and a child of God? Where now you don't have to carry the burden of knowing everything, of knowing the next step, of knowing the next strategy, of knowing the next plan. Hey, you know what? Sometimes God says, just take it easy for a little while. Just wait. You don't have to know. Thank you, buddy. You don't Mm -hmm. have to know. And you know what? That's hard for some people. Some of you are type A personalities, and I'm not. Thank God. But some of you guys are type A personalities where you want to grab the bull by the horns. I'm going to take charge, and I'm going to know exactly what's going on, and if I don't know, I'm going to make something up. And you know exactly who you are. It's probably you guys who are laughing. About every marriage has one, okay? And I said I wasn't that one, right? Every She's not here today. She's at home sick. So she's watching on live stream, so I'll get it when I get home. But you even type A personalities. You know what? Sometimes you got to wait. And sometimes you're not going to know. But you know what? You can take stock, comfort, confidence in the fact that the God of glory does know. And he's got it under control. And he's going to set it up just perfectly. He knows what you need, and he knows exactly where you're going. Now, this may shock a lot of you guys, but COVID is not going to determine your fate. Did you know that? COVID, listen, the Bible says that there is appointed to man once to die. Did you know that there's a date that God knows when you're going to die? And did you know that COVID is not going to change that date? Now, God may use COVID to bring you to your end because that was what he predestined. And he knew that that would be your day that you would die. But COVID is not going to change that. Nothing is going to change the plans that God has for your life. He is in control. So guess what you get to do? You get to live in freedom. You get to live in liberty. You get to live in peace knowing that someone far smarter, far more powerful, been around a lot longer than you have, has got everything under control. Remember, only God gets to determine your future and only he knows where you're headed. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 is a very important passage because it says this, for I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Just trust him with your future today. When we think back, you know what? The Holy Spirit has got this thing figured out today. The last thing that I want us to see about our God, about this modern God that we ought to be shouting the rooftops, telling everyone about, is he is always with you. He knows what you need, we know that. He knows where you're going, he knows your future, but he is always with you. He's not a God who is afar off, unreachable and untouchable, but he is with you if you know the Lord Jesus Christ today. Beginning in verse nine, Acts chapter one, the Bible says this, after he had said this, he was taken up as they were watching and a cloud took him out of their sight. This is what we know as the great ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ as he rose to heaven after his resurrection. Verse 10, while he was going, they were gazing into heaven and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. You know, the Bible teaches of a God who is transcendent. And what that means is, is that he exists outside of his creation. What I mean by that is God does not need creation in any way. If the universe did not exist, God would be fine. God would still be God in his perfect life holy existence. He is transcendent in that he is outside of and above his creation. But the Bible also teaches of our same God who is imminent. And what that means is that he is intimately involved in his creation. That he could have thrown this thing, spun the earth, and took off and said, I'm just going to let it fall where it may, and I'm going to let it be. But our God didn't do that. He said, I'm going to be intimately involved in my creation. So much so that I'm going to have a relationship with people that I've created. So much so that I'm going to be involved in their everyday lives. So much so that I care about what they care about. I hurt when they hurt. So much so that I love them and I'm willing to die for them on a cross so that they could be saved. When the ascension took place, John chapter 16 verse 7 talks of what is called the ascension gift. Basically, as Jesus was departing, a gift was given to the disciples and ultimately to the world. John chapter 16, verse seven says this, as Jesus speaking. Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away, Jesus is speaking. Because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. See, before the Holy Spirit came at the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit did not indwell believers like he does today. We live in a special time known as the dispensation of grace. We live in a time when God himself indwells believers. He lives with us permanently. In the Old Testament, you find if you read about the King Saul or if you read about... Um, uh, Samson and some of those stories of the Old Testament, you would see the Holy Spirit would come upon them to achieve a a particular um, task or goal, and then the Holy Spirit would leave. And he would come back upon them to do something else great, and then he would leave. And he worked differently in the Old Testament. But today, in the day and age in which we live, the Bible teaches us that starting at the day of Pentecost, which we're going to study here in a couple of weeks, that the Holy Spirit of God was poured out upon all humanity, So that those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ get to have the Holy Spirit within them. And the Holy Spirit is what is known as the ascension gift. See, Jesus loved us so much that he didn't want to leave us alone. He didn't want to say, okay, I'm going away. You're, know, Just handle it on your own, guys. I did all I could with you. John 14, 18, Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. John 14 verses 16 through 17 say, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the Spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you, and listen, and will be in you. Today, we have the counselor, the Holy Spirit. He was given to us by God the Father as a gift upon the departure of the Lord Jesus Christ and upon the authority of God's word. The Bible says he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Holy Spirit with you forever. What did I say before? He is always with you. You know what, as we look at a world that's hopeless, a world that is suffering from isolation and loneliness, a world who is hurting, a world that is hopeless, you know what they need? They need a God who will be with them always. They need a God who in the dark and lonely moments of their life will be there to give them strength and love them and minister to them. You know what I need today? I need a God who is with me always. I don't need a God who exists somewhere far, far away who tells me how I ought to live but yet never cares about what I'm going through. I don't need that. I need a God who is with me and loves me and cares about me. And I am thankful that the true God, the God of the Bible, is that God. A God who is not willing to let you be alone. He's not willing to be okay with you just wallowing in your suffering. He's not okay to just leave you alone and by yourself. He is with you if you know the Lord Jesus Christ today. And you may be here today and you don't know Jesus. And you may say, Ben, I need that. Ben, I need... Someone to be with me today. I need someone to be with me and not to so that I'm not lonely anymore. I need somebody who can give me answers. Ben, how can I find that hope today? That hope is found in accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. Because upon accepting him, you get the gift of the Holy Spirit. He will live within you, and the Bible teaches that he will be with you forever. Did you know that Christianity is the only religion? that teaches of a personal God, the only religion. Buddhism doesn't believe in a God at all. Hinduism believes in millions of gods that you can't even name all of them. Islam believes in a God who doesn't care about you, just expects you to pray the same prayer five times a day and face Mecca. Only Christianity Teachers of a God that you can boldly go to his throne, you can pour out your heart to him, and he actually listens. He actually cares. He actually cares so much that he died for you so that you could have that relationship with him. Did you know that if Jesus had not died on the cross and risen from the dead, I today could not speak to him freely? Because there would have been that great divide of sin between me and God, and I would not have been able to approach his throne in my sinful condition. But because Jesus died and his blood was shed, and I've accepted Christ, the Bible says that I am washed whiter than snow. The Bible says that I now have Jesus' holiness. Because I have the holiness of Jesus, I can go boldly into the throne room of the creator of the universe, unashamed, not guilty, And share with him my hurts and my pains and my struggles. Hey, listen, if that's not an attractive God, if that's not a God people don't want, then they don't want anything. Listen, today we need the God of the Bible. And today, if you know Jesus, you have the God of the Bible living within you. And now, guess what you need to do with that? You need to do exactly what Jesus said. Here's what he said in verse eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Today, if you know Jesus, the Holy Spirit has already come upon you. He lives within you. So now you know what you gotta do? Tell the world about this great God. Share with your friends and your loved ones, your neighbors. And you know what? Pole Creek cares so much about this because we believe this is the reason we're here, that we're providing these evangelism explosion classes where we are gonna equip you and give you the tools to share exactly what the Bible is asking you to share. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can go into our neighborhoods and our communities, our workplaces, our schools, and we can actually make a difference. We can share with this world the God who cares and loves them and wants to be in a relationship with them. Let's pray.